Fuck it, I'll just use my laptop. Yeah, I'll edit this out because we sound like clowns. Tusk Talk. I'm Sean O'Brien. I am joined by another Sean who spells his name in a non-Gaelic manner, Sean French. Yep. Hello. So uh, we haven't cast in a while. Today we're going to cover some um, some vintage issues. We've had a banned and restricted announcement since the previous cast. We'll also be joined in a minute by uh, Hot Carl, Greg Mitchell, who has returned from Kamigawa. And uh, we'll talk about legacy a little bit. Sean French is the only Tusk who participated in uh, Eternal Extravaganza 6 in Baltimore, Maryland a couple of weeks ago. Um, so maybe we'll just get started with that. So that, uh, uh, what did you end up playing in Legacy? Played Sinfins, kind of an older build, not Greg's new, almost black red build, but. Is that, uh, is that, wait, Greg, Greg played uh, at the last month. Same, same weekend. As the EE5 or 6, oh. whatever we just had, Greg played in a legacy event in Seattle and did well in that. But his new build of Tin Fins has four white chancellors, four unmasks, um, maybe only shallow graves, drop the Gorios, four and reanimates. And four reanimates. More, more gristle brands, so you can discard, hit yourself with your own discard. So how'd that work out for you? I think I played all day, but I missed prize. No, I got I got min, I min prized at X three. So leading leading up to that, I, I didn't see a ton of push or advertisement. We no, were, they don't do that. Yeah, I, I, did they even outdraw the one that we attended last June in a steel box in the in Crackville, Pennsylvania, or no? Are you talking about the abandoned grocery store or the antique mall? Uh yes. Sorry, I was calling the steel box the antique mall. The one before that, ah, that was the one, one that they were both bad. <laughs> The one before that, the first Eternal Extravaganza I attended was in the concrete box. It's actually attached to the comic store. Where the pairings was, were put on a fork truck. Yes, and where there was an actual like crack house motel to the right, and there was a Dunkin' Donuts that wouldn't let you buy coffee inside of it because they kept their doors locked and would only accept your money through the drive through window because it was so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, this one was in the Baltimore Convention Center, not in... Oh, no, the most recent one before this was in the Radisson Convention Center, which was five or six blocks away from the Baltimore Convention Center. So you're in like a weird offbeat convention center. It's kind of attached to a Radisson. Yeah, you're, you're near the harbor. Yeah, that was the one That was the one I top-aided last time for vintage. But this time it was in the actual Baltimore Convention Center. I've missed both of those. I haven't, I haven't I showed been. Up, I showed up early and went to yeah. – I was there pretty early in the day. Uh, I had my breakfast, my coffee. I was going to go sit down, write my deck list, and then harass the vendors for a solid hour and a half. All two of them. I get there, and they're not where Star City normally is, or the smaller rooms that they recently moved to. So the guy mm. in the lobby says, "All right, you have to go outside and around the building that way to go to your card game." And I'm like, "All right." So I go through. I walk down the street between that runs through the convention center, and 
there's some guy standing outside of a door. He says, yeah, just keep, keep going. So I'm pretty much walking around behind receiving where the trucks pull in for the convention center. And I go back and I'm directed to the security office. I walk into the security office and I'm like, all right, where's the car tournament? They're like, oh, just, just, just keep going. They pretty much made me walk around the entire building because they got a room that was in the back of the building in the basement. Yeah, that's uh, kind of brutal. So it was hard to find. They yeah. didn't really do any advertising. Um, I think it was. I think it wasn't much bigger than their other ones. Might have been a bit smaller. It, it was or wasn't. You don't think it might have been about the same. Oh, I was trying to figure but out the, the size. Could have held four times as many people as they had. It was depressing. There was a uh, the tournament, and then there were like three more rows of tables that were completely empty. Maybe it's on the source. Oh, anyway, I'll, I'll look at it. I, I I remember when the top eight was was spoiled that the that the turnout. Uh, somebody was saying that they thought that they lost money and it was, you know, otherwise kind of depressing. So this tournament series tends to not advertise well enough and then lose money in their events, but he's well, apparently he said he's going to stick it out through the whole year. Cause they're trying to do like a, a series and have a bunch of qualifiers and award buys and keep track of points and stuff. And uh, yeah, well, I, one thing I liked was that they were attempting to drive participation through satellite events, but I just got the sense that that wasn't being pushed that hard. Like the harder you push that, the more maybe you bring in people from the non-local area. Well, they needed to advertise. And I guess running qualifiers is going to do that to a certain extent. But unless you can draw people to the event in the first place, it's not going to help. Um, A lot of the people in the Northeast region who play a lot of vintage and legacy, like Joe Brennan and uh, the guy they were calling Colonel Mustard. The, The Mustard guy... Always wears the Jace the Mind Sculptor t-shirt and plays shops. He'll joke that he's playing something else, but he's always playing shops. Everybody who's playing shops to me, when I see their faces in my dreams, they all just look like pieces of sausage to me. I mean, that, this guy's pretty nice. I've played against him before. I probably have as well. I'm sure he's nice. I, I found the number. It, it, the legacy event was a gentleman's 184 players. <laughs> Holy I, I crap. I still put up three losses in min cash. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. There were yeah. a couple of uh, good hits by my opponents who had no idea what was going on, which I probably deserve because when you're playing tin fins, you get a lot of wins that you won because your opponent had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I don't really feel sympathy for somebody who's trying to do anything with Grizzlebrand other than set him on fire. You know, so but that is interesting because five. I did find the numbers for five. Five was like three oh eight. So you're talking about a wow. What was the, what was the entry seventy five bucks? So that was a was a big hit if they thought they were going to get 300 and they got 184. It's too bad. I uh, Yeah. So anyway, so you think it was just advertisement? You don't think people hate Legacy like me? Or no, I mean, City? Legacy does pretty well. They had that uh, Star City did their first team event that I played in. Okay. Um, and that was very popular, and every team had a Legacy player. And that kind of helps balance the fact that Eternal players want to play Magic too, but their town isn't necessarily a Legacy hotbed like all the Northeast is. So right. have a team event and... Yeah, my issue that with that format is that I don't know any standard players. They're like they would just be children. Like if I had children, I would play in that format. I would just have my child play standard and cast like <laughs> cast Gideon and plays twenty four mythic rare standard deck and just smash everybody. But I literally couldn't I find until, a standard player. I know you I waited until like two weeks before and decided I was going to go and ended up with it. There's one uh, in Louisville coming up. Reasonably a lot more coordinated soon. people had teams, so I was stuck with the people who. I don't know, weren't planning on going there from the start and optimized their team. So oh. I went there with a couple of friends, but didn't expect to win every match. But we, we did too. And I thought you were going to say that you got stuck on the team that was just so poor. They didn't have legacy cards, so they needed your help. 
I told I told one of them I could help with modern cards. He said, no, I got it all. And then after the tournament, he was like, man, I really wish I could have played this deck. And it's like, I, I have that entire deck. I asked you, I, I told you I could help. He's like, oh, I thought you just meant you could lend me some like legacy cards. Like, no. It's ironic that I can build uh, any internet modern deck or legacy deck, but I probably can't build the best deck in standard. I don't own whatever the new sh- dual land you have to shill out $8 a piece for for a year is. Are they fast there's, there's lands gonna be a red. There's going to be a red X aggro deck that's under 100 bucks in whatever format. Well, or, it's, it's not standard. Even, it just rotates. It's, it's like now funny. it's red, white, vehicles, and it's, yeah. I could just simply put the deck in a shopping cart and buy it if I wanted to and set it on fire after the event. But like the, it's just funny that I, I can build a million decks, but I, pro- I probably can't build i don't i never buy the planeswalkers do you like the new game the one that's spoiled for ankle weights yeah Uh, yeah, you know he's good but like four mana gideon is also really really good i think in legacy it's just less of a problem because a legacy is i guess the only thing i'm thinking of because i'm not thinking modern or standard because i play weird shit in modern um but people are talking about how um i guess the platinum angel effect if infect is going to kill you but you made the emblem. They have to kill you with all their berserks and whatever. Then they have to deal with a three-mana permanent that I guess they could attack. Yeah, I think that that's bullshit. If you're resolving a three-mana spell against Infect, you're probably winning anyway because like you haven't gotten dazed out of the game and you're not dead. So I guess you can't cavern it. That would suck. Yeah, like, they're they're a better plan. I'd rather just play a fucking peacekeeper and fucking laugh at them. But the uh, the card itself is an interesting design. It's it kind of encourages you to curve up into your planeswalkers, kind of like. But it's Gideon of the Trials. Now we're getting into. We're not. I said I would never do a fucking set review again for the rest of my fucking life, and here I am staring Did at you. Do a, a set review before? A dumbass fucking standard planeswalker. Uh, yeah, we've done some set reviews. I just whenever we <clears throat> sent out the email that we're going to do the set review, I just declined because. But anyway, this is one white white three loyalty. Of course, planeswalker Gideon with the same copy pasted art from every other Gideon. They slightly changed his armor. Plus one until then uh, until your next turn, prevent all damage target permanent would deal. So he sort of protects himself. Zero until the next turn, he's a four-four human soldier, indestructible, prevent all damage. Very similar to the whatever this latest one was, Ally of Zendikar. And then zero, you get an emblem as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker. You can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. So plat, that's the exact text of Platinum Angel, right? Yeah. So he's three. So I guess in Legacy, you know, there's a lot more abrupt decay being played. So it's if you can't follow him up with his big brother, it's not that impressive. It's an interesting card that can come down off of a mana dork. I think it's better against like Storm game one than something like Infect, right? Like if you yeah, randomly I mean, there's, have there's this. There's many decks that can't deal with it. Yeah, the Abrupt Decay decks don't care at all. Right. But if you're playing against Storm and you get to turn three because you played your Thalia and kept them off a of combo for a turn, now you play this. No, you don't because it costs four. Okay. (laughs) Unless you cheat, which half the people who play Thalia just pay one for their swords anyway, so like it doesn't even matter. He seems okay. I mean, it's the first Planeswalker though that I've seen that encourages you to actually maybe play another version of the same Planeswalker, like further up your curve, right? There's almost no other Planeswalker that gives you a a lasting benefit to play a different Planeswalker. Yeah, the new four mana Gideon is seeing play in Death and Taxes and Miracles plays it sometimes, I guess. I can I tell you that Red White uh, Land Tax Scroll Rack plays it since okay. I'm the only one who plays that set of cards, and I played him. I played him in that, and he was quite good. So I guess to continue the set review, um, the other card you mentioned earlier before we got started, you like to ask for told. Again, you're constrained in Legacy by if something costs two and a blue, it's like, is it show and tell? 
probably not as good as show and tell. It's but like, would you? I guess, would, like you were saying, would you pay two and a blue to show and tell balance? I think the card that could break this card is actually not visions. It's in fact balance. Having lived through balance, having you know my anus still partially blown out by balance now almost 20 years later. That's the card that stuck to me. The visions thing is cute, but there are ways to break visions. Hey, we're uh, we're joined by uh, Greg Mitchell, who is back from uh, Kamigawa. Hey, guys. How's it going? Not bad. We back were from Kamigawa. To- no, I didn't go to Japan. I went to Thailand. Whatever. It's the same thing. We were, uh, we were talking about Sean's experience at EE6 and sort of the... We're going to lead into the cast. We, both of you played in a tournament the same weekend. He played EE6, oh. uh, not in a steel box this time, but in a convention center, the Mox boarding boarding house thing where I laughed at your opponent on stream and you still lost. Yeah, I yeah. played two 1Ks. Oh, right on. And then I don't know why Sean brought up this this shit from uh, ankle weights, but he brought up new cards and then we started getting set review and I told him that I was never going to do a set review for the rest of my life. Division of uh, Test Talk. Yes. Uh, the set, <laughs> the set review division. So Sean managed to face plant with your pet deck, uh, Tin Fins, but he said he played a different version of it. So I'll let I you. I played an old version, not your, uh, not the new one I saw you top eight with. Yeah, I'll let you two compare oh, cool. and contrast, and I'll mute myself because I hate Grizzlebrand. <laughs> Grizzlebrand's pretty stupid, but uh, I like him. Yeah, so I played the uh, the Tin Fins version with Chancellors, so it's basically black red, but instead of it, it looked red. like you wanted to play black red, but also brainstorm. So that's what you ended up with. Uh, yep, that's that's right. <laughs> I played show and tell, but it wasn't very good. I think it was good. I liked the uh, I liked the exhumes because Deathrite uh, targets and exhum doesn't. Yeah, I've been playing. Uh, I built ten fins online, and after I built it, I found out that playing in leagues, like seventy percent of the online metagame is bug. Oh, oh that's unfortunate. Yeah, pick yeah. up this new version. Pretty good against bug. I watched your last and match then- in the top eight, and I almost got thrown off the chat for laughing at how you got mule stomped by a man who kept in crap like Tabernacle and just absolute bone flutes against your deck and also didn't understand how Chancellor worked and you still lost. So why don't you tell us how that felt? That was, that was not great. Like, I think it's a really good match. And he was, uh, he was pretty unhappy to be facing me in the semifinals. So I thought I just had a bye. And then once I get to the finals, my match was good too. So I thought I had the tournament won, but unfortunately game three, uh, I mold to three and or mold to four. Sorry, I didn't have a hand that did anything or had lands. Really close to being in it. All I had to do is hit a, uh, a single mana source in my top five cards, and I think uh, I bricked and I lost. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was I was going nuts in the chat, and the the kind Asian men running the stream were probably on the verge of throwing me off of it. I was calling your opponent a mule, and I guess everyone's friends there. So the Seattle scene is just a little bit different than the Atlanta scene, where the commentary is usually just absolutely fucking berating everybody for making mistakes and just screaming at everyone. So anyway. oh, we're going to have a new Asian man joining us. He uh, he cast for some basketball team, I guess. So it's going to be like mono Asians. I thought Seattle was pretty much you and mono Asians. Like I'm trying <laughs> to think of. Oh, I guess it's just like hipsters versus Asians, basically, is what it is. <laughs> like zombies versus pirates. That's true. Sometimes there's crossover. The uh, so so the, so you oh I'll bet you you know sir to split too to make it even. even oh, obviously. That's yeah, nice. that's that's the best. You know sir to split. Man doesn't know what your cards do. Beats you and then you go drink. <laughs> I mean, it's in Ballard, so it's right next to a bunch of bars. So if you're gonna lose, it's the best place to lose. Yeah, and it's kind of a inconsequential amount. Are they one Ks now? Or are they what? What are they doing? Yeah, they're one Ks, but store credit. So it's like. 
It, yeah, it's and then it's so not the like next, splitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The next day, I ran back the same list. Ran into the one bad matchup in on the bubble, uh, and he his deck is absurdly stacked against mine. It was like Moon Stompy. Uh, Jeremy always metagames uh, with strange decks, but he always has a good read on the metagame. And so he just saw there was a bunch of combo and a bunch of bug decks and decided he's going to play a deck with eight moon effects, Chalice, Leyline of the Void, Scab Clan, Berserker, and just go to town. Main deck Leylines? That's a bold. No, sideboard. Okay, all right, all right, all right. But the, the matchup is horrible. Yeah, no, that sounds horrible. It sounds something like I like what I would do. We were talking about the low turnouts. How, how were the turnouts for these events? About, about normal or? Uh, it was, I think, 70 for the one on Saturday and 60 for the one on Sunday. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, for two in the same weekend. So, Sean, you played Vintage on Sunday at uh, EE6. How, how was that? <clears throat> well, I lost round one after keeping two garbage hands to somebody who I drove there. And then in round two, <laughs> I played somebody who I drove there, and I lost two games because I kept garbage hands. <laughs> I, I then won two rounds and knocked myself out, and that's all right. I it, it was not a good day. I didn't even ask what you're playing, and now I don't even care. Because... I played the same deck I played last time, just blue-white standstill. I put the spell quellers back in because I couldn't find anything else that wasn't garbage. played against my one of my friends playing Pyro, just like blue-red Delver Pyro, and I... Uh, like keep a hand that's like, well, this beats anything if he doesn't play a pyro on turn one, because it's multiple wastelands and a standstill. Yeah. And he's like, uh, basic island, mox red, pyro, go. My entire hand is bricks. I remember Dude. losing so many games in the blue red treasure cruise era when that deck played Lotus Mox Mox to Mox Island Pyromancer. Like they just always had it, or an inordinate amount of people, or maybe those matches just stand out in my brain. But it seemed like when that deck got land Mox Pyromancer, it almost never lost. Now, granted, it also had four, well, five ancestral recalls, but when a Pyromancer deck gets the turn one Pyromancer, it's pretty ridiculous. I feel pretty good playing against Pyromancer decks. So I guess I don't really respect them because I usually crush them because it's like, that's not a mentor. I don't care about your tokens. Right. Were you playing Engineer Explosives or Null Rods? I can't remember. Explosives. Explosives, right, yeah. So you have a pretty good game. I think I mean, I'm going back to uh, Mana Gorger. There's a Mana Gorger deck that top aided, and I'm like looking at the list, and I want to change a bunch of things and run with it. Yeah, Mana Gorger is fun. I enjoy it. It's probably strictly worse than Mentor, unless you just go nuts with your sideboard and just have violent plagues and the whole nine yards to try to combat that deck. But when decks are playing like f- the full four swords main now, it's tough to win with Mana Gorger Hydra. I mean, I guess you can Mentor, win. Mentor really popular right now and really strong. So. If people are sideboard, building sideboards to beat Mentor, uh, those four Sulfur Elementals don't do anything to my 13-13 Hydra. I mean, trample for 11, I guess. But Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like... You can build your sideboard to beat Mentor and try to get up game yeah, two, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll get into Vintage in a bit and how miserable it is. But yeah, you can build a sideboard that crushes Mentor and doesn't impede the plan of your single guy. It's, so you're sl- slogging through, you know four sorts to plowshares and Jace Vern's prodigy flashing it back requires like a full clip of missteps. And so it's, it's tough, but I, I love the card. I mean, that's like, that's what I played at the EE in the cinder block box, not in the, the EE in the iron box slash antique market slash episode of hoarders that they filmed, whatever that one was last June. It had a wrestling museum. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I enjoyed the wrestling museum and the antique mall more than the actual tournament. But we also, since the last Talk had a uh, ban and restricted announcement, which was a, a resounding nothing for any format. 
Yeah, so, that was a real dick fist. Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, on the legacy front, I thought it was pretty obvious that two or three cards were all fine. We we attempted to prove this theory by holding uh, a tournament for a format called Legacy Unleashed. Uh, it was fun, you know. So the format is just Recruiter, Mind Twist, Earthcraft, Frantic Search, uh, and Survival of the Fittest are all unbanned. Yeah, you know, I mean. What stood out to me, well, first of all, it wasn't a perfect experiment because we didn't exactly have 100 people. The other thing was is that we didn't actually have anybody show up with current internet decks. So Brian was threatening to bring miracles and kill us all. Um, but actually, everybody you played had one of the banned cards in their deck. So I ended up playing Mind Twist. I think that its best use was being pinned under Chrome Locks basically every time. You know, it was Mind Twist, Mind Twist, Survival, Frantic Search, Frantic Search, and then a deck with Mind Twist and Frantic Search. Nobody even bothered to play Goblin Recruiter. That probably tells you all you need to know about its current position on the ban list. What would you do with it? Like, it's really hard to build a Goblin Recruiter deck, and it takes a lot of thought to figure out the files. Maybe no one just wanted to spend the time. It's a, it's a food I chain deck, right? No, see, it was a food chain deck before they printed the infinite food chain combo. Now it's basically pointless to play a Goblin food chain deck when you can just win the game on the spot. Or generate infinite mana, or generate you know a blue flying moat of three threes. Like when food chain goblins was a combo that was feared, it was because there was no infinite combo with food chain. So that I think is off the table. I think that's a waste of time. Just to use it as a top deck uh, consistency engine, I think it's worth playing a couple of goblin recruiters in your otherwise unplayable goblin deck that loses to Norwood Ranger. But like. It's just not that impressive. The most impressive thing that I did just in some brief testing with that card before I decided that it wasn't even remotely playable, or at least it was worse than the other options we were taking off the ban list, was was just chaining a bunch of goblin settlers. It seemed like a lot of decks just couldn't beat like four stone rains in a row. So that does sound scary. Yeah, like you know, there's you can always craft a pile at runtime that that takes advantage of some board state. Like, you know, they have a bunch of one, uh, X1s. You get your sharpshooter. Your, your piles get a lot better if you have Skirk Prospector, obviously, because, like, you can be mana positive with the token generators and things like that. But And most of them, of course, always begin with Ringleader. But, like, the Goblin deck is so hamstrung now by the presence of a, a, a ubiquitous 1-2. I don't think the Recruiter makes that much of a difference. Um, you already have a Demonic Tutor for Goblins, and you already have all these other utility creatures. The stacking your deck part of it just isn't that interesting. And the only other really interesting thing you can do with it, and you can do this with Dwarven Recruiter if you want, is play Charbelcher, and you're just better off playing a dedicated Charbelcher deck rather than trying to jam a four-mana artifact into your Goblin deck. It's just not that impressive. Oh, that's but, I yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, the card says Goblin on it. I would have thought you would have you arrived at that conclusion. But it, it's bad. It's so bad, nobody bothered. I even have all the stuff for Goblins just sitting in a pile, and I, it wasn't even worth my time to take one of my one or two of my Goblin recruiters and put them in the pile. I think probably Mind Twist is the second worst card that's currently banned. There was Zach was playing it in Enchantress, so you know you can generate sort of an obscene amount of mana pretty quickly, and it was a way to have a giant mana sink. Um, but I think he lost the one game that he mind twisted somebody for six. I think he mind twisted Casey Hogan, who was on like high tide with frantic search, and then he just lost. So 
I just, I don't, my twist for me, I think if it if, if there was a good Burning Wish mid-range deck, like the old Aggro Loam deck used to be, maybe you'd play it in that. But again, like, you're going to you're gonna fan out your sideboard and see Mind Twist there. What situations do you want Mind Twist that you don't want something like Slaughter Games, let's say? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's just some new cards now that have been printed, or they're not even new anymore, that that fill the role of like con- either a control mirror breaker or like a haymaker that could put you over the top against, you know, a deck that relies on cards in his hand. And it's just not as good as him as far as being lower to the ground and disrupting your opponent. And I was playing a deck with eight soul lands, four chrome moxes, and, you know, I got a mind twist off for four once and it was fine, but I think I'd already won the game anyway, because I had a chalice out and like I had a chalice and a bitter blossom or something out. So I just don't think it really mattered that much. Um, Okay. Uh, what you, How about uh, survival? Like that's the big one that people are concerned about unbanning. Yeah, I, I think survival. And then Earthcraft, I think, is complete trash too. We, we we tried Earthcraft, and it's not impressive in in uh, Elves, where the the mana acceleration now. Like, I mean, we've had Heritage Druid been printed since Earthcraft's been banned. All these other things that are just infinitely better than finding your basic forest and this clunky enchantment that does nothing. And the squirrel craft kill is now irrelevant when you have Crater of Behemoth, which turns your whole team into like triple dreadnoughts. So having infinite squirrels or just having like 75 power worth of elf, you know, emo elves is a moot point. We also tried Earthcraft in Enchantress because you have wild growths. And I think if Earthcraft did have a home, it would probably be Enchantress, but that deck, the win condition Enchantress, you guys have both played against probably more Enchantress than the average legacy player. Yeah, the, the, the guy that played Moonstompy at the 1K, uh, Jeremy Edwards, he's played Enchantress quite a bit, and he's won a GPT with it. It's a good metagame deck. Yeah, and, and you find when you play against it, the win condition is normally inconsequential, right? Like, you're oh, just locked yeah. out of the game, you know, and they either cast Emrakul or Sigil or... Uh, the three-mana white enchantment? Uh, the one that gives you Shroud? Solitary, solitary yeah. Yeah, yeah Solitary is pretty much the win condition against most decks. Right, especially with Sterling Grove. So I unless played, in the room has pernicious deed, you generally win. Last time I played the Cure, I had Reverend Silence on my board because I knew there were two Enchantress players there. I played against one of them. I slammed it. I got about 15 enchantments, and he cast Emrakul the next turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it sucked. I was so happy. Normally I lose to... I've played a metric fuckton of Enchantress, and normally the cards that I lose to are... Pernicious Deed, uh, which there's an unfortunate high amount of in the Atlanta area. Is it all Zach Wilson, or do other people play? <laughs> yeah, other people play. There's a lot of Cabal Therapy, Veteran Explorer shenanigans. And then the other card that I lose to is Serenity, which nobody else on the universe plays. Well, Greg plays it, but like very few people play the card Serenity, and I've lost to that in Enchantress. And just getting, I guess, Infect is a miserable matchup, too. Any any creature-based fast combo like that that you can't lay line out of the game is, like, unbeatable. But anyway, long story short, having Earthcraft as a sort of mana accelerator and then Squirrel Nest as a quasi-finisher is, to me, A, not nearly as oppressive as anything else that's going on in Legacy, and B, likely isn't even as good as just having um, Words of War in a lot of cases or, like, you're going to draw that Squirrel Nest and it's going to suck. And, you know, anyway... So Earthcraft is crappy, but yeah, I think the two that that are close to like uh, should be banned are probably Frantic Search and Survival. 
So Matt went with like a toolbox survival, but had the Vengevines just as a oops, maybe. And I think that's probably how a lot of the survival decks would turn out. You know, you're, you're a, you're a green, white, black creature deck that is playing the same style of game as um, like a Maverick deck or a junk deck. But if you see an opportunity, you land survival and your opponent puts himself in a position, let's say where he's tapped out, then you have this oops, 12 damage, quote unquote, combo finish. Do I think it's any more broken than show and tell? Do I think that he'd fare well against like a bug Delver deck that would just decay it and daze it and and he'd get stuck with hands with Vengevines in his hands, you could probably test it enough to know that it's not that much better, but... Yeah, so I, I just played Food Chain, and, it, like, it's a cool deck, but having a four-mana creature in hand is uh, pretty shitty. doesn't do a yeah. lot. At least yours pitches to Force. A Vengevine pitches to Bounty of the Hunt, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but it does trample. It's relevant. Vengevines don't trample. No. Oh, it doesn't? <laughs> No. It comes back to yeah, it's like a Viashino Sandstalker that costs four mana, and you literally have three of them in your deck. So if you tap out for survival and it gets decayed or revokered, like you actually have a Viashino Sandstalker, a suboptimal Viashino Sandstalker in your hand. I think that some people would feel like the games play out poorly, uh, and they would see the same pattern over and over again of get my root walla, da, 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 ditch my root walla, find my even he was playing walking ballista too as a zero that you could go find to end your chain or just be a good creature. Yeah, so Bliss is really good right now. Yeah, Bliss is really, really good right now. So I think Survival would be a good deck. I've heard the other argument, which is that it would push out all the other quote-unquote mid-range creature decks, but the problem is is that what I think that there are... <laughs> yes, there are no mid-range creature decks. Like, if you want to call Death and Taxes a mid-range creature deck, I think it's more of a prison deck, but, you know... What, what exactly is it pushing out? I think the green-white Maverick deck is probably yeah. unplayable, especially in, like, a let's say a GP where it's 10 rounds. Jund? Is Jund a mid-range creature deck? Uh, sure, why not? But it also doesn't see a lot of play. No. Uh, what's the Chalice deck with the Dark Confidants oh. called? Um, I still call it Agri-Loam because that's what it used to be, but it's, like, four-color loam, I guess. Four-color shitbox loam. Yeah. yeah, you know, would I mean that deck probably wouldn't even play survival, but I mean that's almost more of a prison deck too, right? I mean they're trying to waste lock you, and they have chalices, so you know that's sort yeah. of a hybrid deck that again can't win a ten round tournament anyway. So, like the upshot is that the blue cards are so oppressively good that you have to be locking them out, or you're just going to lose their consistency. Right. So that's where survival. Uh, so that's maybe where survival could find a niche. It would be, it would give some consistency to otherwise inconsistent green and white, green, black, X creature decks. And whether they'd all homogenize around survival, maybe that's miserable and we just don't know it. It might be a way for a green X creature deck to actually win a GP or top eight a GP, which isn't going to happen right now. Sorry, a green X not blue creature deck. Didn't right. when we had survival last, didn't it devolve into the super combo survival decks and the blue Survival decks? It was interesting. That were a little bit slower, but still survival? Yeah, so it, it devolved into two things. One is just a brainstorm deck with, with actual diamonds and arrogant worms, and it was fast. Uh, and then the other version was a slower version that just had the use combo. Sort of yeah, and then there was the LED version that just vomited. Yeah, the LED version, which was Crack two LEDs. Worm. You're dead. Yeah. yeah. Was that the one with the four mana uh, guess the abilities of things in the graveyard? Noxious? Right. Yeah, so the latter is Necroticus, and then you you have you have Necroticus in play, 
And then you have uh, Triskelion and Phyrexian Devourer in your yard. That probably gets better with Ballista. Um, well, keep in mind that when Survival was banned and those decks were playable, we hadn't seen Green Sun Zenith, Phyrexian Revoker, Abrupt Decay, Deathrite Shaman. Wait, wait. Green Sun Zenith was the set after the Ooze. All right, all right. So, yeah, maybe Green Sun Zenith was out. But we hadn't seen Deathrite. Delver of Secrets Death either. Like, there's no incentive to play a creature deck that... Uh, plays a lot of spells without Delver. Not really. Yeah. Also, the ooze ruling. Well, I think the, the ooze combo always worked, but I think now it's a static ability on the um, the Devourer. The, the, the text on the Devourer changed, so the combo is actually more consistent now. It used to be that you actually needed convert a mana cost equal to your opponent's life left in your library to win. I'm not sure if that's still the case. But anyway, you can't possibly tell me that any of the shenanigans that you're attempting to pull off with your stupid four mana necrotic ooze, revocable, decayable survival of the fittest, and playing a Phyrexian Devourer in your deck is in any way, shape, or form better than just any of the existing two card combos that are out there right now that play Brainstorm. I mean, how how is that better than show and telling or entombing and getting back Grizzlebrand? I, I can't imagine. Oh also Grizzlebrand got printed. You know, it's just like the bar is so much higher now for abuse. I don't think the combo versions of survival, even like think about the loyal retainer version. That was the green white. It was like basically the Maverick deck and it just had a loyal retainers and an Iona. Like I, you're just never going to convince me that that's more oppressive than the current ways of reanimating the idiotic creatures they've printed. Yeah, I think it, it could lead to interesting decks that could win a tournament, but to me, it's not so bad to have hybrid, uh, Archetype decks, I think those are the most interesting, like aggro combo or uh, some sort of mid-range control. Like, I think those are pretty fun to play against because they have different lines. Yes, uh, survival and they're fun breeds different lines. I mean, it, having a right now the toolbox deck that we have is sort of dead, right? Maverick would use Green Sun as a toolbox. Maybe Death and Taxes is a toolbox deck too with the tutor, but toolbox decks are neat because they lead to different lines. They need to they lead to like interesting sideboard cards that you'd normally not see. You know, like. Um, I don't know, Sour, Sower of Temptation and Gilded Drake and all these cards that you used to see in sideboards that, you know, when you actually had a, a toolbox package that we never see anymore. Anyway, so but survival is playable. I don't think I mean, it would rule the format. Who? What's, what's, the problem, what's the problem if Wizards unbans survival and has to ban it six months later? Oh, you mean like Gush? Well, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, like the... The way that, but like, if they actually follow up when they realize there's a problem, what does well, it matter? What, 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 I guess, what is the criteria for banning survival? If they unban survival and it's and survival four of fours, wasn't it like eighty percent of legacy was variants not even, of survival? No, not even close. I mean, if you look at the GPs around that time, it's not close. I mean, there was there were some star cities that were half survival, but you know there's so there are star cities that are eight of eight brainstorms. So what metric are you going to use? We've had we've had GPs that were sixteen for sixteen, with all the decks having four brainstorms. So like, what is your criteria for? Um, I mean, brainstorm doesn't really kill you. Survival kills you. They've never established criteria for banned and restricted, so it really feels like. Whoever bitches the most on Twitter gets listened to, especially if their name is Randy Bueller. I think there is a bad beats kind of feel, gentleman's agreement. They've used the gentleman's agreement in their ban restricted list when they banned Mystical Tutor. Uh, mental misstep was ubiquity, but yet ubiquity didn't apply to Brainstorm. So, yeah, I think it's sort of flavor of the month. The other thing now is that there's less legacy at a high level than there ever has been and 
probably going to be even less next year. I mean, we have our Vegas Legacy GP. I wouldn't be shocked if there are no Legacy GPs in 2018, except maybe in Vegas as part of like a shared weekend. They'll probably put one in the U.S., one in, one overseas. Yeah, they so the token GP. Exactly. You think so? If, if the Vegas thing becomes a yearly event instead of bi-yearly, and it's a multi-format weekend, you know, super magic vacation, marketed well, which it looks like this year is going to be amazing, you don't think they're just going to put the Legacy GP there? Like, my point is there, there are no European Legacy GPs this year. Not one. Not one in Asia, not one in Europe. What makes you think in 2018 there's going to be more? Like, we've only ever gotten less. The The amount of eternal magic that Watsi has given a shit about has declined. You could put it in a graph. It just goes down. I, I, I get the feeling that they're looking to, like, these eternal weekends to sort of be the legacy and vintage GPs. And I have a feeling in 2018 we're not going to see a dedicated legacy GP. I really don't. I, I don't. I'm not happy about it, but... I find it hard to believe. Maybe we get one token one in the U.S., but we did keep 2018 or sorry, 2017 has no European or Asian legacy GPs. Maybe they're just relying on the third party circuit to step up. Um, so we've seen a lot of new stores do small tournaments like Card Kingdom and uh, Time Vault Games out here in the West Coast. I know in uh, Europe they have MKM. What is it? Those series? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So maybe that's what they're relying on. It's really yeah. hard to run an event collect entry fees, pay out prize, and pay the venue, and pay your judges, and not lose money. So the way that Star City does it is they have a line out the door to buy singles, and that's just how they farm singles for their online sales. Other stores do that too, but like Tales of Adventure with their EE series, they needed to hit, they needed to max out their events to break even if you did the math with the prize they were giving out, even though it was store credit. But Yeah, that's a good point. You have to have a pretty good online sales base uh, to do it. I think Card Kingdom is there, um, but there's not many other stores, like Channel Fireball. Uh, I think, so they're down in Oakland. It might be that the legacy uh, format will congregate on the West Coast if we can get people to travel to it. The Northeast has a pretty big following, and the West Coast seems to be doing good with Seattle. Yeah, But, but it's a good point about losing money. Like They can't continue if they're not going to make money. Before you came on, we were reviewing the turnout for EE6, which you know had a bigger venue and was the latest, greatest. It had feeder tournaments, you know, but the turnout had the turnout went from uh, around 300 from the prior one five to uh, is it one? What did I say? God, I'm a fucking terrible. Host. I'm a terrible host, and I should be killed. 184, yeah. So 184 for a 75 dollar entry fee, legacy in the middle of a big city. Yeah, the prize pool was larger, and I didn't hear about the event until two weeks before when somebody said, oh, hey, do you want to go to this? I'm like, yeah, sure. But so maybe, none of their advertising reached me. All I heard was somebody else found out about it. Yeah, but you're a hermit. In general, I find Magic has terrible, terrible advertising. Like, these one case could get a lot more. And, like, what Magic tournaments are well advertised? Vegas? Like, why don't you just take a step back and say what magic businesses are actually run by competent business people? They're mostly magic players who have fallen backwards into, you know, the business of magic. Well, so, so to get to incentivize, the stores are not incentivized to run events that it brings a line to their buy card so they can sell it online. And if they get twice the turnout for standard every time, they just get punished financially when they have a legacy event 
and it doesn't put massive numbers of people in the convention center, just all of guards. I, I think the feeder system was a good idea for EE. I just think it's very hard to implement. It takes a lot of work, a lot of ground, sort of ground level work. For example, like the Giga Weeklies now are EE, whatever the lowest event is, silver events. But it's just not that well advertised, and you don't see your deck lists going up on the EE site like I think they plan on doing. Um, the, the Star City Weekly Legacy has turned into a four-round EE minimum, earn a couple points Okay. if you 4-0 event. I looked at it, and you have to pretty much 4-0 80% of the weeklies in order to pick up a buy for EE. So it is the smallest event, and it's giving you some EE points, but it's not meant to be the main driver for points. It's The main driver for points should be like the IQ level events, not the weekly events, and not as many stores are running those. All the <laughs> Northeast bringers, like Joe Brennan and that one guy, Colonel Mustard, I don't forget his name, but <laughs> they, uh, buys, they had an invitational the week before. They invited the eight players with the most points. Only four of them showed up because they knew it was happening. Are you ready? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You're too young to know the evening news fucking uh, music, but so we were talking about legacy. We're talking about uh, unbanned cards. Um, oh, the other one was frantic search. Oh so yeah, I want to hear about frantic. Yeah, yeah. Said... So Casey, Casey and the Beta Fiend both played frantic tides. Like high tide is pretty much unplayable right now in legacy, right? I mean, you would agree the card counterbalance just. End your game, basically. Not just that, but also a lot of the blue decks are playing like three or four Pyroblasts, which is pretty bad if you're playing a mono blue deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's bad, and like, um, so the, the they both ended up building basically, well, I built Casey's deck because I own all the cards in Korean and signed and everything, but basically the same deck, and what they were doing is basically replacing like turnabouts, cutting to either one or two turnabouts, and going up to four frantic searches, and then completely ditching like Candelabra. Things about that deck was that game one you had zero targets for abrupt decay and sorts of plowshares. So, you know that kind of deck in the blind, you have sort of an innate advantage in that you have really zero zero possible targets unless you're playing up players. Gentleman six. Hey, we were at the Beta Fiend's house, and he had free Chipotle uh, catering. So, um, but we wanted to test the format out. We just wanted to see you know, how it would play and what the decks might look like. But So I pulled up the uh, the Caleb Durward breakout top eight for survival to look at some of the cards that were and were not in the format. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, these are some old decks. Saito won with Stan Stillmarco. Yeah. Um, Tom Martell top eighted with a counterbalance deck, four counterbalance, four, um, four tops. Four Tarmogoyf, two clicks, three fire spouts. Ah, Supreme Blue. Yeah. Three counter spells. Yeah. Natural Two order snares. for progenitus? No, no, not in this deck. Main deck garage. Well, at least see Tom Jason Martell Ford top eight. Jason Ooh. Ford with deed still. Oh man. Four innocent blood, four standstill, four pernicious deed, two low. That's all awesome. three cunning wish, two ghastly demise. <laughs> three cunning wish, sure. In my deed deck, I'm just gonna have a wish board. Cunning wish finds ravenous trap, mind break trap, back to nature, diabolic edict, forbid, stifle, submerge, mm -hmm. echoing truth, extirpate, cross and grip. Sabo's decree. Sabo's decree. Fuck you, goblins. Fuck you. Fuck you, Merle. Six, six mana. Fuck you, goblins. It's an instant. Brad Nelson top baited with four Knight of the Reliquary, four Dark Confidant, four Tarmogoy, four him to Turok, four Vindicate, uh, 
Corey AG with Sneak and Show, which has four Sneak Attack, four Show and Tell, four Emercool. Four Progenitus. Four Woodfall Primus. Oh, Woody! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Forgot about Dre. You know the, the uh, main deck, main deck wipe away and echoing truth. Do you know the first thing I snuck attack when I came back to Magic? It was like World Wake. I was playing Sneak Attack. I don't think it was Emrakul legal. No, when was Emrakul? The last set, right? Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah, Rise. So my Sneak Attack deck was like, there's this angel that that lets you Omni Science once if you attack and hit with it. I forget the name of it. Um, Maelstrom Angel, maybe. Maelstrom she's Archangel. A, yeah, she's a one shot Omni Science. And then uh, I was I was sneaking her Blightsteel and no, it wasn't Blightsteel, no Protogenesis and um, this sweet fucking demon from Worldwake that Hellcarver demon. So you hit somebody with Hellcarver demon and you get to like look at the top three cards of your library and cast everything for free. Oh, sick! Then, but then like you obliterate the rest of your board. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> oh. Most demons have drawbacks. Hold on, this card is sick as fuck. When he deals combat damage to a player, this is when real men played sneak attack. When Hellcarver Demon deals damage to a player, sack all other permanents you control and discard your hand. So it's Caravex Spite, my favorite card ever. Exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast any number of non-land cards without playing the mana cost. So you'd Hellcarver them and then flip like Protogenesis, you know, that angel and like another sneak attack. Anyway, go on. All right. Also in the top eight, Ryan Cook playing uh, Test. Of course. With Orm's <laughs> Chant. Nice. Um, Kalen Sherward on his survival, and Christopher Goslin on Doomsday. It's Ryan Gosling's little brother. Doomsday with three Lindell's Vault, three Stifle, three. Greg, do you want to tell us how to? Greg, you want to tell us how to operate Lindell's Vault? Uh, no, I can't do it. Will we be getting your hardcover version of um, Understanding Lindell's Vault anytime soon? Do you know the Lindell's Vault story, Sean French? No. Oh God. No. Don't tell Sean. Sure. So we're at a GPT for, I believe, Atlanta. It was like it was for the hometown Legacy GP. Legacy. Right. Just been printed. Yeah. Yeah. was like by far the best. Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand is printed, and uh, but 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 Mystical Tutor is banned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mystical Tutor is banned. Greg's yeah, on. Yeah, I got banned. Yeah, I got banned. Yeah. It. It. Uh, I'm glad it did. Now that we live in a world of miracles. But anyway. The Greg's on Reanimator. He. You basically just like. Oh, I'm on a uh, hot Carl. Show and tell. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's on the original version of Tin Fins, which was christened Hot Carl. And you you ruined that tournament. I mean, you basically destroyed everybody. I believe I went undefeated with Dead Guy. I was on Dead Guy AL, I think. Well, regardless, I win the round of top eight against Enchantress. I have a funny Enchantress story. So I'm on Dead Guy AL, which doesn't have a great Enchantress matchup. At some point, he has a Sterling Grove out, but insufficient enchantress effects to keep up solitary so he cracks the grove when he's staring down lethal on the on the swing back turn from me cracks the grove and i'm just look at my hand i know he has enough mana to cast his moat and i actually don't have any flyers and i just say i just show me a moat and we can get on to game three so he cracks the sterling grove and starts digging through his deck digging through his deck and i said come on just just show me the moat and we'll we we can get on to the next game well it turns out the guy was too poor to afford a moat and he gets, he gets, he meekly removes from his library this wild growth that isn't a wild growth. It cantrips and it makes your land into a bird of paradise. It costs Puts it on top mana. of his, his library, it draws it and cantrips and scoops up his cards in like undying shame after I call him a pauper who couldn't afford him out for his enchantress. All right. All right so anyway, moving on to the next game, I scooped to Greg because 
he's going to play in this GP 100%, whereas I'm always salty about everything. And he probably, you're going to crush me anyway. I'm playing dead guy AL against combo, so I have 0% chance to win. Greg's playing against some Maverick guy with, like, Friday Night Magic Pride Mages who also basically can never beat him. Did you have a GRV going into the top eight for something else? Yeah, so I got to look into the extra cards GRV uh, in the semis because I was clumsy and flipped over a card. And then in the semis, <laughs> I did the same thing I did in the finals and got incorrectly issued it. Uh, looking at extra cards when it should have been a GRV. Uh, so while operating his vault, we we made fun of him before the game started about being really, really careful with it. Limdol's vault requires you to look at the cards in a very, very specific sequence. You look at, I believe it's five, right? Yep. It is five. You must look at five and only five, not four, not five, or not six, but five. Then you decide yep. and you pay the life. This is here's where he got a GRV for this, and on his first, yeah, on his first attempt to vault, I believe, right with with lethal, like with I was lethal, gonna kill him the next turn with a judge literally up his ass, like a judge like breathing in his fucking ear hole, everyone's staring at him, and he just for some fucking reason looks at six cards, unbe like. And his Maverick opponent, who's like stone dead with his shitty ass Friday Night Magic Abomination Pride Mage, is just like, yep. <laughs> yeah, so like, the it's a wrong ruling. It was a wrong ruling before, but I didn't want to make a big deal about it because the judge was my friend. Yeah. And, uh, and I got a game loss in the finals that I was going to win to get two buys. It was, or three buys back at the time. It yeah, would have been insane. This would have been insane. You would have rolled that fucking tournament because you day two'd it with no buys. Yeah, and then got fucking wasted and barely made it to round one. Well, yeah, maybe maybe the next day wouldn't have made any difference. You would have been even more excited about having a much better record. You would have gotten more drunk. Maybe you would have died. Maybe the whole thing was actually for your benefit. <laughs> and uh, and having no buys meant that you would live. You know, it's fucking karma anyway for that GP Denver fucking GPT thing that we pulled, and that 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 was wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll you'll forever be one and zero against Derek's wife. <laughs> oh, poor Liza. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so so back to the back to survival of the fittest. What what was Durward's deck? Was it the arrogant worm version? Um, Maybe dead or four Noble Hierarch, four Vengevine, four Rootwalla, four Aquabeba, four Wild Mongrel, three Trigon Predator, and a Wonder. Stifles, Days, what? Forces, and Gites. Wastelands. Like, a Cradle. Are you, are you afraid of that deck in today's fucking legacy meta? Well, this isn't what it devolved it to. This is the one that stole the tournament, except for it lost to Murphy. Yeah, it has Aquamoeba. I just can't imagine... Banning a deck with Aquamoeba. Well, you can still play Aquamoeba. Is Aquamoeba a jellyfish? It and Aquamoeba the only jellyfish? Oh, Elemental and... Beast. Elemental Beast. How do you know that? Because it's right here. I'm looking at the deck list. You don't even oh. know what Aquamoeba does, Greg. I do. Oh. It's like discard a card to flip its power and toughness or something. Were either of you playing when like Bible was legal? Or was that when you were still at Tech? You're both around the same year at Tech, right? A couple years uh, I was a freshman at Tech when... When Chris Lorman would tell me the stories of this mystical legacy format that was super degenerate, and I would just like listen fascinated by this thing that I knew I could never get into. Greg's a fucking child. So you never played when survival was legal? 
Oh, maybe I was in no. the same year as Lorman. I don't know. First Legacy Tournament was uh, with Misstep, my first R City. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that was after Survival had gotten banned. Wow. Yeah, I think it could be unbanned. I think it'd be interesting. Frantic Search. Oh, back to Frantic Search. God, we're off the fucking rails. Yeah, I'm curious to hear about Frantic yeah, Search. So Let's get back to I that. think really what Frantic Search does for the high tide deck is that in its best draw, it does allow for a turn three on the play, like kill with Flusterstorm backup, which with turnabout, you can't do that. You can't have, you have to tap out for the turnabout and, you know, you get dazed or you get spell pierced or whatever. So you can have your third island in play with Frantic Search and go off with Flusterstorm mana, which is pretty sweet. And I, I think that actually just makes the deck slightly more playable. And then I just think you'd have to, you mean, have to have a sideboard. You'd have to have a sideboard that addressed counterbalance heavily, like Casey's sideboard, because Brian kept threatening to come play Miracles, was like four a null and like, you know, defense grids and all these like anti blue cards but um i think that's really what it does for the deck it moves the fundamental turn with protection up a turn if you have you know island cantrip hide some stuff turn two maybe you merchant scroll for your high tide if you don't have it or you cast more bullshit cantrips and then your third turn with the island you stare at your opponent you have three islands and you cast your high tide and if it resolves you're into like frantic search with a mana floating untap f6 and your time spiraling with a mana up. And so I think it's reliably a half a turn faster, but I think it still loses to pretty much all the same stuff. The deck's more resilient, I think, and you can just completely get rid of the Candelabra because the Frantic Search provides a lot of the same acceleration once you're going off, and then you just don't even have to acknowledge the existence of Abrupt Decay or, you know. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. But it, it doesn't just lose to Miracles. It also loses to Delver decks because they have a lot of times Pyroblast, they have a lot of Flusterstorms, I'm a, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm unconvinced. Maybe it's good. No, I, I mean, I think I'm still unconvinced. It would be a brainstorm deck, so that always gives it a shot. But Thalia is a problem. Like Cavern Thalia, you can probably never win. I mean, um, and you're still talking about literally untapping on your third turn, playing a land, and winning the game with a combo. And there are like four other decks that do that already. Doesn't Elves pretty consistently go off on the third turn if it's unmolested? Show yeah. and Tell can certainly win by the third turn. Your, your fucking Tinfin's shitbox can one on ten, turn zero storm I, it's just always going to be a worse combo deck than these other decks that have other plan b's like literally high tide has no plan b if you meddling mage high tide like and cunning wish they can't win the game they have no plan b at all nothing which i've done before but anyway i think it'd be an interesting card the other thing is like is it a, is it a card that could be useful in a deck that wants to have reanimation as a plan b i still say no because it's three mana like it was banned before it was banned when Entomb was banned. You know what I mean? Like so I think as a reanimator card, it's unlikely that it's if the delve cards were still legal, maybe maybe it'd be better. You'd EOT Frantic Search to build into a dig through time or something. I don't know. But like those days are gone. So I, I think Frantic Search is probably on is probably fine on banned. As much as the other thing would be like everyone hates playing against high tide. So that could be an argument for keeping it banned because high tide just sucks. It's miserable. You never want to play against it. It's the like it's just awful when you're losing to it. All right. So, okay. well, we've you and Tusk talk. We've talked about bannings and unbannings before. So, yeah, yeah. So, so that was Legacy Unleashed. We're gonna give it another go at some point and and see if the results come out any differently. We also had the ban restricted announcement, which nothing was, uh, nothing was restricted in Vintage. Are you guys surprised that nothing is restricted in Vintage? Not surprised. I wasn't surprised. Yeah, 
but I think it, it's wrong. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Gush or Mentor should be banned, and I'm pretty sure it's Gush because turns out the busted blue spells uh, really don't get any better. Um, I guess Gifts like is fine now, but that's mostly because Gush is an actual negative mana draw spell. It's basically impossible to compete against it. I agree that at, as far as like power level, Gush is probably higher. My trepidation behind restricting Gush again is that A, it's going to be again, so it almost feels bad to do it for a third time. I know that's not a good reason. I, I acknowledge that. There's a precedent for restricting Gush. Th there is. My issue is that the first like year or so that it was unrestricted this last time, it actually like wasn't that ubiquitous and it it wasn't replacing the big blue mana decks. Like when you look at results from the few years, or the, let's say just take like the year after it was unrestricted, it didn't win any of the major tournaments. So like if you want to go to like spring 2013, so that's like almost a year. So Gush is unrestricted in the fall. It's not even like it didn't even top eight like Bizarre of Moxon. You know, that was like the bug fish deck beating the mud deck in the finals with Oath and like Doomsday, a couple of mud decks. Um, and the only gush, in, the only gush in that top eight was in Storm, right? So I think gush is considerably worse than uh, the token gush decks. Like yes. the token gush decks. That, that's what I was gonna about to get into. So, so, so gush by itself, without the tokens, and and I'm gonna bring up another point in a second. It was hardly dominant, and even going into late 2013, gush is still primarily being used in Storm, right? Like. Yeah. Spring 2014, I can even post these in our chat here, but like these top eights have like no gush. Now it's a confluence of factors, right? I mean, you have four golem, four chalice shops, you have no token generators, you have a lot of other factors at play. But when you see gush start to be dominant, two things happen. It's fall of 2014 and Pyromancer comes out. So now gush, two things happen. Pyromancer is legal. Misstep is printed. Um, and I think even Flusterstorm is legal at that time. Now Gush goes from being strictly... And, and Dak Faden is also legal. It might have been later, but yeah. This is like 10-5-2014. So, so this is like after Gen Con 2014. The confluence of all those things now together with Gush start to form this blue stew, right? And Yes, the blue stew. The blue stew. And like that to me is what great, but keep in mind for almost almost two years, it is essentially just a storm card. Blue stew sounds like a season art song. Like blue stew. It, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> it's like blue milk from Star Wars. But the you know, the card it, it just wasn't that oppressive. I mean, I played through those two years and it was good, but you know, they were still losing to the Golem decks and it was in storm decks and just gushing with a deck full of creatures and Delver and Tarmogoyf just wasn't that interesting. It was really the token generators that that broke Gush because now not only is it two cards for negative two mana, but the board presence that it built became oppressive. And the other thing that coincided with it was the rise of Misstep. So Misstep follows the same arc and goes from like a two of in the big mana Jace decks that won in um, like... 2014, let's say spring of 2014, you have like Bizarre of Moxon winning deck, 
So it's Bizarre Mox and nine is Tezzerator. Second praise, Jay's Control. You know, there's no gush in that top eight. And that's like still to date one of the biggest vintage events ever. There's no gush. It's all big mana or bug. Bug having the better shot matchup, big mana sort of crushing the bug deck, right? That's relying on Abrupt Decay. Yeah. And those decks are playing like two mental missteps and so on and so forth. But they're still playing like Steel Sabotage and Spell Snare and those kind of cards. Once you can make a token with your free spell, like those days end very abruptly when you look at the results of like all the hundred player plus tournaments. And I think, I think that that, that is what sent gush over the top is within the context of these other free spells that have massive synergy. Like there's no downside to reducing your land count when, all, when literally you're playing 16 free spells, you can be playing 16 free spells in your deck. There's just not a lot of, you're not disincentivized for picking up your lands anymore. And okay. like now all of, your, all of your token generators got, they're just bonkers when you're, when your deck has nowhere in the history of vintage or magic. Had we ever even seen, have we ever seen this many free spells legal Four misstep, four gush, four probe, four force, all of them together. They synergize. And then Dak Faden is like the shit fucking cherry on the Sunday. They all synergize so well together and with the token generators, this blue stew is what's is what's really breaking Gush. Even though out of all of those, maybe you say that objectively Gush is the most powerful card. I almost feel like because it sort of was innocent for two years that we should try to we should try to restrict something else. Maybe that's a weak argument. Yeah, I just don't know if I buy it. Like, so fine, you've you've given a lot of evidence for why. Gush might not be broken if it weren't for all these other cards that are printed, but there's going to continue to be more blue cards that are good that'll see play. And Gush is just the most broken draw spell when you have anything that synergizes with plain spells, when you under-costed spells that continue to be printed. I, I think the culprit has to be Gush, even if Phyrexian Mana is honestly a terrible design. Terrible yeah, terrible design, it's hopelessly broken. I mean, I'm not so sure. I, I Maybe Gush ends up having to be restricted, and that's just it. I just feel like two things happened the, the what I spoke about earlier. The other thing that happened in between all that crap after young pyromancer was the delve spells got printed and the delve spells, when they, the, the delve spells in conjunction with 14 to 16 free spells plus fetch lands is fucking absurd. And it took a year to iron out and restrict them. But even now as one of dig and treasure crews are just absurd. And they're absurd because the decks that play them are playing 14 to 16 free spells and fetches. You know, I just it, like it really doesn't see a whole lot of play. Like it. Oh, it, oh no, it doesn't. I, click the link in our chat. Right now, as it stands, the fourth most played card in Vintage is Gataxian Probe. Is that right? It's played like, in 44. It has a dominance level of 44%. It's played in 50, 52% of all decks. So to give you to give you a perspective, Preordain's played in 49% of all decks. Probe is played in 52% of all decks at a rate of 3.4. And that's because Storm. So Storm... Oh, right. There's a lot of Storm decks that don't play Preordain that play Probe, right? Um, you know, anything like like Suicide Paradox will outcome or Dark Ritual Storm or really any deck with Cabal Therapy, right? Because that's a, just a super skill-testing combo of Probe Therapy. But yeah, it's... I mean, Missteps it, it is second only to Force of Will. And it's not... It's, it's closer than you think. Force of Will is about 61% of all decks, and it's pretty much played as a four of. Missteps in about 56% of all decks played as a th almost a four of, 3.8%. And of course, this discounts small paper tournaments, but like... Yeah, maybe Probe's uh, adoption has gone a lot up. Like, I think Blue Red Pyromancer played a lot of it, and then when that died, there was a lot less Probe scene play. But now you're right. saying 
probe is, I guess, seen more playing neutral. I think, and I, th- I think, yeah. If we're playing it in combo decks, like there, there's so much less work when you know what your opponent has. Yeah, yeah. that is that, that's one of my problems with probe. Like for me, the two cards that I would restrict before Gush, even if Gush might be the culprit, I would I would get rid of the free spells that are surrounding the whole blue stew and the engine, and see what shakes out. I mean, Metal Misstep for me, the, the biggest issue is that any sorcery speed mana investment is is just a crippling waste of time and tempo versus two life in a card and sometimes plus one mana. I mean, the number of one casting cost creatures and permanents that like are literally unplayable in Vintage is astounding. Or you're playing your own missteps, which is the reason it got banned in Legacy. It got banned in Legacy because the play pattern of the guy who had more missteps resolving his one drop was untenable, miserable, and everyone hated it. And it's the same thing plays out in Vintage. You're either completely ignoring mental misstep and derping away with your thorns, or you're just getting into this stupid misstep war over some crucial spell. And yeah, so the argument for misstep is that it really de-emphasizes uh, whoever draws Ancestral Recall. I think It incentivizes whoever draws more missteps. I mean, I mean, any two decks that are playing missteps, it seems to me like it just... The guy who who is laying on the battlefield with more missteps at the end of the resolved mentor swords to plowshare fight wins, you know? No, the winner there is whoever has the mentor because they have a pile of tokens. <laughs> Which what do you guys think about banning mentor? I, uh, I, don't, mentor? I would say no. I think the problem around mentor are the three cards we've already talked about. So mentor is so fucking broken because if I probe before the mentor, well, I know the coast is clear and it ensures perfect strategy. I can play the mentor in the clear. If I play it after the mentor, I just immediately get a token I start a stack battle, and even if you start misstepping my stuff, I have my own missteps, and it creates this fucking army of tokens. The the probe also and it, it it enables like these absurd chain turns where you just like chain cantrips. Oh, my preordained found a fucking probe. I'll probe into the fucking next probe, and then I'll probe again. It's what enables the mentor chain to go fucking nuts. All the while, you're building mana for your stupid delve spell that's the nail in the coffin. I just think Mentor, if you had to actually think about playing it instead of windmilling it when you had two missteps in your hand, it would punish bad players. Right now, bad players have perfect information. They can just windmill the Mentor if they've already probed you and they have a misstep for your removal spell. There's no thought or strategy or bluffing that's really going into it right now. I mean, I think Mentor is absurd. Don't get me wrong. But it's the Mentor deck right now is one of the easiest decks to pilot, at least to competency level since like four chalice four golem workshop yeah there's a lot of edges that you can gain but you're right your spells are just so powerful that as long as you know to gush on turn three instead of turn two or your opponent's end step like you've got 80 percent of the deck i've had people just resolve the mentor and just gush like off their their land drop their second land drop and still win because they probed me and knew i had no removal or they probed me and saw i had a plow and they had two missteps like it's, you can tap out with impunity and play this Goliath fucking threat. The other big thing that Misstep is doing is, is it's completely obsoleted the top deck tutors. You want to know why you don't see Tinker and Yawgmoth's will? Because the top deck tutors are gone. Like, the top deck tutors were the way that you could consistently find Yawgmoth's will, Tinker, and these other bombs, like Tezzer the Seeker and things, Time Vault Key, at the right time. And, like, Misstep running around as a 3 or a 4 of or 80% of the format, those those top deck tutors are just wastes of fucking time, you know? Well, I disagree with that. I think it's more that it's... I mean, so that's relevant, sure. But I think the bigger problem is that their card disadvantage, the deck that's trying to find threats, the single card threats like Tinker or Vault Key or whatever, they don't have enough card draw uh, at a, 
on a reasonable enough timescale to race a mentor and be able to back up their threat. Like part of that is the misstep problem. So like if they fluster storm or pyroblast or something to defend their tinker, for example, yes, they're out counterspelled. Correct. But still, the the bigger problem is that they don't have a good enough draw engine to compete against. But I'm mentor. saying like I've, I've, those tutors. They used to resolve. Like Vamp Tutor, I, I know you don't remember. Vamp Tutor would resolve. And like it just never resolves anymore. Like you can put yourself in a position where if you Vamp Tutor for something that their Force of Will, Flusterstorm, or Red Blast won't counter, it's actually a useful card. That was that was sort of Yogmoth's will, right? Yeah. Like, or uh, Black Lotus and Doomsday. That was good. Or your Time Vault. Like you can't Fluster Pyro or you know, keep stop time vault. I think it's, I think misstep is a huge problem. I, 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 maybe I'm stuck on it, but I think it's dumb the game. It's dumb the game down much like it did in legacy. I think a lot of the reasons to ban it or sorry, restrict it in vintage are the same ones that you get in legacy. It's not an interesting card. You know, it, it starts the deck building exercise at 57 or 56 cards and it oppresses so many other cards or forces you to play the card. That's my opinion. And the play pattern to me is just not interesting. As fun as it is to take pictures of misstep stacks with like three missteps and a mind break trap at the end of it, it's just not that interesting anymore. <laughs> and, in the, and the synergy it provides with the mentor is absurd. I mean, if you had to actually think about tapping out to play a mentor and having it be removed with the card Lightning Bolt, can you imagine that? Can you imagine killing a mentor with a Lightning Bolt? I know. It's crazy, right? Like... Yeah, the mentor, <laughs> it would be a little more challenging to win with a mentor. It still probably would be not that hard, but you'd have to think a little bit about it. Yeah, so I think that goes back to Sean French's question. Like, is mentor just too good, even if you restrict misstep? And it, it might be. It's a pretty busted card. Like, Paradoxical Outcomes is a huge engine. Gush is obviously absurd by itself. Like, I'm not sure Pyromancer goes over the top enough of the other decks that uh, if you restrict mentor that... I mean, maybe maybe Gush wouldn't be dominant anymore. It's possible. I mean, the tools to fight the mentor, if if we're only working with one misstep, are a lot better. For example, I can thought seize it. I can maybe plow it if I pressure you into playing it. I can resolve dread of night. There's just a lot more answers to the mentor, and the mentor player is put a little bit more in a squeeze as far as mana. So playing a mentor and maybe leaving up a blue mana for a fluster storm, right? or a yep. spell, spell pierce. I think it slows the fundamental turn of mentor down. Right? I mean, you've been on the opposite side of a fast mentor and the, it is literally they untap and win, right? I mean, like Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe you're right. I'm usually right. I feel like I'm right here. I, I feel like my argument against not restricting gush <laughs> isn't strong, which is just that it was okay for a year and a half. That's not very compelling. But I would just like to see gush free without the shackles so, of so all the free spells. Let's say we restrict Gush and Misstep and Probe. I think Mentor would still just go crazy because of, you know, oops, I played a turn one with Moxon. Your turn. Force of Will. Kill you. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Like, the decks would look different, but it would still probably be the best win condition you could have outside, you know, for a turn. Like, I'm willing to lose to openers that are Mox, Mox, Land, Howitzer. They're not, they're not, that's not that consistent. Like, you're probably still going to lose any game where your opponent goes Lotus Mentor, right? In other words, the, the mentor is broken on turn one because he's really, really good, but he's broken because of the moxes. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, there are, I'm trying to think of another unrestricted card that is also similarly busted with restricted cards. I mean, you could, pill, you could pick a million of them out of the, the shop decks, but, I mean, if every opener was mox, mox, land, fa uh, new Thalia, 
how many games do you think he'd win in vintage? Oh, a bunch. <laughs> right? No, he's insane. Would you Would you agree, Sean, that that's like a 75 percent win rate? Yeah, sure. So like, and nobody's calling her busted. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there'd still be. I think Mentor would still reduce the number of options in in tempo decks. I don't. You know, I don't think like Delver is coming back. And maybe you know, like if if it's still busted, maybe you restrict it. But man, I hate restricting creatures. It just feels stupid. <laughs> All right. So we anyway, random restricted uh stuff. Um, yeah, the the only other card that people have been bringing up is preordain, and I just I'm not compelled. The comparison there is like, well, ponder's restricted. Yeah, I I like preordain. I think it's the right cantrip to be unrestricted in vintage, right? I think you could unrestrict ponder safely. That would probably That's be obnoxious. <laughs> What it, so if you restrict misstep, restrict probe, restrict gush, unrestrict ponder. Uh-huh. Full play four saints and prelates because everything costs one at that point now. Well, yeah, yeah. We don't have chalice. I mean, that's the other thing to keep in mind, too. Like Enlightened Tutor for chalice. Slam it. Turn two. Like, ponder's I'm better than... shop. Screw you. It's not that much better. And you already don't play a full set of of uh, preordains. Now, maybe that's because you play a bunch of probes. but Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, Still, it's a comp- compelling argument. The cards are, at some point, you run out of business and your deck's just a pile of cantrips. And when your cantrips actually cost mana, I feel like they're fair. Like, spending mana for fucking Ponder, for me, is way more fair than Gitaxian Probe in a lot of cases. So Yeah, so I guess to summarize, none of us are really that excited about any format right now. I know I'm not excited about Legacy because Top is so dominant. I've been playing a lot of Miracles. I'm mixing it up. I've played Food Chain. I've played Tinfins, but... If I want to win a tournament, I'm playing Miracles. There's just there's no deck that doesn't have bad matchups, can consistently beat the field, can be tuned to beat any field. And it's been dominant for two years. Well, what do you... Uh, there was no banned announcement in Legacy either. Like I said, I, I, I would like unbanning first to further prove my point that Brainstorm is absolutely annihilatingly broken. And once you unban five other cards and it makes no impact on brainstorms 87 and a half percent conversion into the top 32 at like louisville then maybe you finally ban brainstorm i mean what, what, what are you going to do about miracles if it's so dominant i've heard top for me i don't know i like top as a card i think it's interesting and skill testing and it actually provides a not blue consistency engine for other bad decks that i like to play so i'd hate to see it be banned i mean the miracle mechanic itself is only broken because of brainstorm but maybe Terminus is like the, you know, standard Watsy hostage policy where they ban Ritual, ban Hypnotic Spectre, and then Necro lives on. Like, you just you just take Terminus away as a, like a martyr, right, for Brainstorm? Yeah, like Terminus is really good. Maybe it makes the deck worse, but uh, Top is still... Terminus worse? Is that what you said? Ban it. Yeah, if you ban Terminus. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? I mean, it's uh, you could attack it. You could go wide on it. And mana deny them into not being able to resolve Supreme Verdict, right? I think if you ban Terminus, it just turns into a Mentor aggro deck. And Mentor's, as we were talking about with Vintage, Mentor's really, really stupid. Uh, and Top is the biggest sort of, oops, I win. These cards are good on, my, on their own, but together turn into sort of this N-squared fireball. Sean, you were like the first person to be on Ustream with Miracles um, at, at the Star City. What do you what do you think what do you think if any card in that deck could be banned and the deck could survive do you think it could survive a terminus banning what do you think I have no idea <laughs> I'm not 
I haven't played Mary I mean, it Circles in a while. Um, survive a brainstorm ban, and, and it can't survive. It can't survive a brainstorm ban, and it can't survive a top ban. Right? That's obvious. Like, I mean, a brainstorm ban would be pretty interesting. I don't want it to happen, but I mean, I played in a no ban modern event with three Jace the Mind Sculptors and four Terminus, and I just relied on Jace to put it on top, and that worked out surprisingly well. It, I mean, that seems entirely. They probably wouldn't work for. Probably wouldn't work for Legacy. Uh, you might still play, maybe you play like Dax so you can filter. So when you do draw them, you can dump them. Yeah, yeah. Because having like right now, Miracles players will snap keep brainstorm terminus terminus fetch like bullshit, right? I mean, top bullshit fetch. I don't land, think the deck terminus. could survive losing top. That would no. That would kill it. Yeah, banning top would kill it. You couldn't. You couldn't play enough brainstorms to make terminus playable if you don't have top. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and the baggage of being a quote-unquote time waster might finally be the the last nail in Top's coffin, um, which is a shame for the players who actually go through the trouble to learn how to play that deck quickly, like to sort of be dragged down by the players who play Top very slowly. Yeah. If you're a Miracles player who picks up two draws, two match draws in every event because you're slow, you're just going to self-select yourself out of the deck or you're going to get better. Yeah, but the biggest problem is that a lot of Miracles players will go to time and then wrangle for concession, or they'll harass their opponent to play faster when they're playing pretty slow themselves. Like, bad Miracles players just create this really unpleasant play experience. So do uh, Magic players with bad hygiene. Well, yeah. But now we're metagaming. I've started handing out free deodorant. Yeah, I've seen that before. At Super Games, they used to have a bunch of cans of Axe, and Don would just run around and spray. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a solution. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like Don. All right. So in summary, we're all sort of meh about Eternal Magic, and uh, there is no happy ending for this podcast. Um, but we do have... Vegas? Uh, and Yeah, we have Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is going to be sick. I'm actually going to play Legacy. Uh, artists for Vegas, the list is pretty huge. Is there anything that you guys you guys pay more attention than I do? So, is there any tough to get signatures that you expect to see there? Oh, I'm gonna get a hundred Gaddick Teague sign, and then when Brian gets drunk, I'm gonna tape one to to his back. <laughs> yeah, Greg Staples for me is I, the I, only I, artist that really gets me hard. He did Bane Slayer. He did um, the aforementioned Hellcarver Demon. He did man, Greg Staples. Oh, he did Teague, who's godlike. Um, I don't know. To be honest, though, Greg, you remember the last, when we were in Vegas? You remember those artist lines? I mean, they were they insane. Were yeah, and the first Vegas that you didn't go to, uh, they were they were not as bad, but they were still pretty nuts. Yeah, the one I went to, they were nuts. There's signing services where you can just like give all your cards to a person, and he will like mule the lines for you. So I think because I have money, I'm just going to do that. It's literally What's like to stop him from going to a sale booth. And no, these are like Vegas and spending your money. No, no, no. These are like super reputable guys who like literally have signing services over the internet and like broker for the yeah. artists. Yeah. So it's like no risk, but the problem is it like literally triples the cost, but I don't care. So I'll pay $2 a card to get. You're probably going to be money. playing at one GP like Saturday or Sunday could be spend four I'll, hours in lines for artists. And well, then go I'll, pay shoot guns. I'll pay you $2 while I go shoot ferrets in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just looking forward. I'll play Legacy, and then we'll Vintage, and then we're going to shoot guns in the desert. Yeah, sounds good to me. 
Yeah, it's going to be sick. I guess we'll have a new set by then, right? We'll have this uh, ankle weights or whatever this new set's called. And then uh, we'll have we'll have a band-restricted announcement, right? Because they, they'll come with every set release. Yep. So. Uh, we'll do, actually. Oh, two? No shit. Yeah, one before and one five weeks after the Pro Tour. Oh, okay. So we're going to get two announcements before GP Vegas. Well, that's cool. I'll hold out hope that something will change. Maybe something will get shaken up by an unbanning. Or maybe Ankle Weights will have some playable cards that we will surely review on the next Tusk Talk with the set review crew. So anyway. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.